Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Raising Eco Minimalists. Today, I am joined by Erin of My Green Closet. And before I let her tell us all about herself, I just wanted to say, Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat. I am too. So let's just dive right in. Can you tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So I have a background in fashion design and through that I became very interested in and passionate about sustainability and ethical manufacturing when it comes to clothing. And I started to share the process of building a capsule wardrobe and trying to invest in more sustainable and ethical pieces online. And it grew from there. I started as a YouTube channel and then started a blog. And now I just talk a lot about those topics and about living, trying to reduce my impact. And it's become a really amazing journey looking back at (laughs) where I've been. Yeah. And if you're, those who are listening, if you're not familiar with Aaron's blog or YouTube channel, Mind Green Closet, and you ever have any questions about sustainable or ethical fashion or clothing, textiles, anything, it's definitely one of my go-to resources for all that stuff. So definitely check it out. Uh, link her YouTube and blog in the show notes, of course. So you mentioned capsule wardrobe. So can you define what a capsule wardrobe is? Yeah, sure. So a capsule wardrobe is essentially a smaller curated wardrobe. And the idea of a capsule wardrobe is to have a number of pieces that mix and match really well. So you have a smaller closet, but you still have a lot of outfits and clothing options to serve your lifestyle. And it's interesting too with a capsule wardrobe. Sorry to jump back in, no, but <laughs> you know, different people have different approaches. And the thing about a capsule wardrobe, though, I guess the sort of ongoing theme, even with different approaches, is just this idea to be able to maximize your wardrobe without having a lot of pieces. Because we tend to think now that, you know, you need a lot of clothes to do all these things, but you really don't. Yeah. And I think that when I first learned about capsule wardrobes, I guess I just assumed that it would be for adults. You know, if you look on Pinterest or another resource you'll see like capsule wardrobe for work and capsule wardrobe for home and capsule wardrobe for the stay-at-home mom but capsule wardrobes are also something that you can have for your kids right oh totally and capsule wardrobes work amazingly for children i would say especially because they do grow out of clothes really quick and you know when you have seasons and stuff like that you are changing up their wardrobes fairly frequently and so it makes sense to have a smaller wardrobe with really versatile pieces that they can do everything with but you don't need to have tons and tons of clothes. You told us a couple of benefits but can you share some other benefits of having a capsule wardrobe for kids? Yeah so (laughs) definitely it makes it 
super easy to get dressed and anyone can get your kid dressed. The kids can get themselves dressed or, you know, there's no real issues in terms of picking outfits and having things. I mean, I think a lot of parents have had those situations where either children have dressed themselves or maybe your partner has dressed them or anything. And it's like, oh, that's definitely not what I would have put them in. But, you know, I think something that's nice about a capsule wardrobe is it's it's, there's not a lot of clutter. You can grab two items and they're going to go together fairly well. And it just makes getting dressed super easy. There also is a lot more organization. So it's easy to have a small closet or a little dresser and keep everything really neat and organized. Just reduces the clutter and reduces stress when it comes to that. And you can definitely save money with a capsule wardrobe. That's a big thing. Or you can also invest in better quality pieces, pieces that are going to last longer or invest in sustainable and ethical brands because you are buying fewer clothes. You can choose to like spend more on each piece. And then also it just saves a lot of time shopping. So I go shopping for my daughter like four times a year, basically for each season, pick up everything we need and that's it. So you don't have to go shopping a lot. You could even go shopping just like twice a year if you wanted to plan it all out. And yeah, it just saves time for sure. And I, th- I love the idea of less, I mean, for obvious reasons, but yeah. that's what I talk about. But um, also I feel like kids clothes can just become overwhelming so easily. And I know that I fall into the trap of with my son, he can be kind of rough on his clothes. And so I feel like I'm always holding on to pieces just in case I need more. Mm -hmm. which I rarely ever do. So then it's just like this back stock of clothes in his closet, you know, that he doesn't even wear. Right. Um, So yeah, I'm super interested in a capsule wardrobe. So how do you start building one for your kids? So I think the best place to start is looking at what you already have. So whether that's pieces that still fit your child or that's pieces that maybe you've gotten as hand-me-downs. So just kind of take inventory of what's there and then build from that. So that's going to kind of dictate what other pieces you may need to add or what sort of color palette you want to work with. And you can take different approaches. Like some people try to hit a specific number Or I look at it more as trying to have enough clothes for a week plus a little extra. And that will depend on how often you do laundry. But I think most people tend to do laundry about once a week. So if you try to fit that in with your laundry schedule and use that to kind of base your capsule wardrobe off of. So if you're looking at a week, and I I like to include a few extra pieces too, just because it's good to have some extras and also, you know, if you need to change, etc. We can talk a bit more about that. But if you kind of plan to have at least seven outfits, maybe even look at about 10 outfits, and that should get you through the week, but it will depend on the kid. But if you get stuff like, let's say you get some hand-me-downs, you know, go through it, pick out the pieces that you think are going to work best and also work best with their wardrobe in terms of being fairly versatile, and then just kind of build your capsule wardrobe from there, I guess. That's probably where I would start. That sounds really reasonable to me and easy. I, I feel like I get really intimidated by just getting started with a capsule wardrobe, but I like how it sounds like it can be really, it's, I mean, essentially pretty open-ended. I know you mentioned the color palette and stuff, and my son's really into some of the character clothes. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it would just be, you know, maybe some of his favorite shirts and stuff that he 
usually wears. I think it's like us where we usually reach for the same yeah. few items anyway. So, And an easy way to approach that too is also, you know, think about the clothes that you're always washing, right? Like you can do that with adults. You can do it with kids. One of the best indicators of what, you know, are sort of the primary clothes of a capsule wardrobe are the pieces that are always in your laundry basket because those are the pieces that you or your kid wears all the time, likes to wear. So build your capsule wardrobe starting with those pieces. That's so true because it is it is usually the same pieces. And I feel like the other items, again, just like for us as adults, just become more clutter and it starts to get Mm -hmm. overwhelming. So I know you live in Canada and I'm in Minnesota. So for those of us who live in areas (laughs) with multiple seasons, do you personally or do you recommend having a capsule wardrobe for each season or how do you handle that? So I think you can take different approaches. I would say for sure, if you have very distinct seasons, at least doing like a spring, summer, fall, winter capsule wardrobe makes the most sense. You can do four capsule, like four individual capsule wardrobes, and that works quite well too. What I do, because I find many pieces will sort of move between seasons. So I will do like a spring summer capsule wardrobe and a fall winter capsule wardrobe, those two combined. But then I will often have like a few swaps. So right now we're going into spring and summer. So I'm setting up my daughter's spring summer capsule wardrobe. And most likely when we get into summer, I'll swap out a few of like her longer sleeve pieces with t-shirts, for example. So I have already kind of planned out the capsule wardrobe for spring and summer, just knowing that I will make a few swaps mid-season or as the weather changes. But yeah, I think you can definitely do like a two capsule wardrobe or a four capsule wardrobe if you find that you need it. And again, with capsule wardrobes, I think once you try it and once you start to do it, you will sort of find what works best for you. And so that might involve, you know, doing four separate ones. It might involve maybe changing some things up. Like I I really think it is a learning experience. And as you do it, you will figure out like, hey, this worked really well, or this didn't work so well, or like, what did my kid wear a lot? Or what didn't they wear a lot? And you learn from that. And so your next capsule wardrobe, you can improve on that and it'll go better. And so it's an ongoing learning process for sure. So it's really about finding what works best for you. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I personally like the idea of doing kind of a fall, winter, spring, summer, because I feel like that way I can get more use out of the clothes because I just Mm -hmm. am imagining if I do a, you know, a fall one and then I put the clothes away for next fall, he's not going to fit in them likely yeah so if you kind of cross over and you know you can just have a couple of layering pieces like a hoodie or something to go over a t-shirt and then you can get more use out of the clothes yeah and I always start each capsule wardrobe with um with assessing what is still gonna fit so going into our spring summer season my daughter does still have pieces from like some longer sleeve shirts and stuff and some hoodies, which still fit her. So I'm still going to include those in her spring summer capsule wardrobe. And maybe like come summer, they might no longer fit or might, you know, not be appropriate. And that's where I'm saying like, I might swap out a few pieces, but you can definitely still, of course, use what you have if it works for the season. That makes sense. So for a kid's one, it seems like it'd be more fluid than for an adult where we may have set Mm -hmm. pieces. So, okay, that's... That's yeah, because I hadn't an, thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, definitely when it comes to adult capsules, right? You can pack up your winter stuff and bring it out next winter. But, like you said, with 
a kid, they're not necessarily going to fit next winter. So yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. definitely trying to use it as long as it's appropriate and works, you know, is a great idea. Yeah. Okay. So I know that having a set number of pieces is somewhat controversial, it seems, for <laughs> capsule wardrobe experts like yourself. But for those of us who like having a set number, do you have a recommendation for that? Or, or I guess, how do you prevent from just it getting out of hand? Right. Yeah. So, so like I was kind of saying, I definitely think that you should sort of plan it out based on your laundry schedule and about how many outfits you think you would need for a week. I think that's a pretty good starting point. But in terms of a total number of pieces, I would say probably in like the 25 to 30, 35 range, like somewhere around there. And it will depend obviously a bit on your child and also a bit on the season. Like I find in, you know, fall and winter, you typically need more layering pieces. So you often need a few more pieces than you necessarily need in spring and summer. So yeah, I would say probably in that range, I typically, most of my capsules are around 30 pieces, I would say, but you don't have to stick to a number either. It's, it's sort of, yeah, if you prefer to have kind of a, a set goal. Yeah. I just feel like that would help at least me personally just get an idea at least. So is there anything that you don't include in a capsule wardrobe or count in your number if you are counting pieces? I know some like underwear and socks don't count or examples like that. Yeah, so I would exclude definitely any underwear and socks like pajamas aren't really part of the capsule. It's just the main clothing items that your child wears day to day that are in the capsule. Some people do include accessories. That's sort of up to you. So shoes you can include, maybe hats or other accessories. I think with when it comes to stuff like that, I would say that it's good to include it in a capsule if it's stuff that you find that you maybe you have too many of, let's say. So if you find that you're buying your child a lot of shoes, then maybe it is a good idea to focus on just having a few pairs that work well with their outfits. For me personally, like I find that we only really buy my daughter, you know, a few pairs of shoes and just like she'll have, you know, one winter hat, one pair of mittens, that kind of thing. So I can definitely include it in the number or not. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, I would say that those kinds of things are a bit more up to you. But for sure, with the main capsule concept, it would be your like tops, bottoms, other clothes, and then also your layering pieces. So like outerwear, jackets, that kind of thing. And then accessories are a bit up to you. You can include them or not. So whatever stresses you out as a parent, <laughs> yeah, just throw in there. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up shoes because I was totally thinking of shoes when you said that because I just I feel like we find they're everywhere just like mm -hmm. half of them I feel like don't fit but he swears they do and you know like, <laughs> okay so yeah that, that makes a lot of sense though so using that kind of as your guide I like that okay. yeah whichever areas you feel like this is an area that we could definitely minimize or declutter or like I would for sure include those things <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So do you thrift items for the capsule wardrobe or do you shop sustainable and ethical kids brands? Um, I do a combination of both, but most of my daughter's wardrobe is secondhand and thrifted. And then I find if there's a few pieces that I either can't find secondhand or just some really special pieces or brands that I'd like to support, I will add in a couple new pieces. Yeah. And by the time this episode airs, another episode with Addie of Old World New will have aired. And she and I talk all about 
uh, thrifting for kids clothes and kids items. So if you haven't listened to that one and you're interested in learning thrifting tips for kids items, definitely go back and listen to that one. Do awesome. you Yeah, it's it's it was really fun to talk with her. She's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to listen to it. Yeah. So do you have um any favorite areas that you thrift stuff or do you mainly shop little local thrift shops? I I do a few things like we definitely get some hand-me-downs from family members. And then I also pick up things like from local thrift and consignment stores. And also I love buy nothing groups, free cycle groups. There's for sure some really great stuff on there. And occasionally parents will post like, I have a bag of kids clothes in these sizes. And then you can pick up the bag, take out what you want and just pass it on. So I like those kinds of ideas as well. So I get clothes from a variety of places. That sounds similar to us as well. And I, it's funny, I think almost every person I've interviewed so far has mentioned by nothing group. It's it's really cool. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> they are. I know. I will link to the by nothing group as usual in the show notes for anyone who still hasn't checked them out yet. Do you have any favorite ethical and sustainable kids clothing brands? Yeah. So Some ones that I really like is Parade Organics. We, especially my daughter's pajamas, we really like getting pajamas from them. They've got some really cute prints. Uh, Mini Mioche is awesome. I believe they're both based both in Canada and the US. Pact is a good one for like sustainable kids. They're quite affordable compared to some other brands. They're really great for basics for kids and babies. Bea Made makes some really cute pieces. Well, Under the Nile is another one. And oh, and there's also a brand who I haven't purchased anything from, but I'm very excited to when my daughter's a bit older. They're called Jackalo. And they specifically make like very durable kids play clothes. And so that's a cool brand that I'm definitely excited to support later on as my daughter's a bit older. Addie also mentioned Bea Made and is a huge fan. And so I'll link to that one as well as the others that Aaron mentioned. And Jackalo is a really fun Instagram account to follow too mm-hmm. if you're not at Hello Jackalo. And yeah, her stuff's really cute. And she even has some adult stuff now that looks really comfy and fun. So yeah, I will link to that one as well. I know that you talk a lot about greenwashing and especially that topic related to sustainable and ethical clothing. So how can we as consumers, as parents, as guardians tell if a company is greenwashing? Yeah, so (laughs) that's a big topic. Yeah, Um, (laughs) But what I would say in general, something to kind of keep an eye out for is, is the company making like very vague sort of PR statements? Because a lot of companies do these statements about like, oh, we care about the environment and are taking steps to reduce our impact. Like they're just these very, very general kind of fluffy statements. Or does the brand give you specific examples of things they're doing? That's, I think, a, a really telling thing because anybody can kind of make these big general statements, but giving specific examples of these are things we're doing to ensure, you know, ethical manufacturing, or these are specific things we're doing to reduce our impact that not only shows that they have like a plan and they are doing things, but it also is a way to hold them accountable, right? So those are some things that I think are good to look out for. But I also want to say that I I don't want people to feel really, because it's easy to think like, oh, they must be greenwashing and because there is a lot of greenwashing that happens. And I would say, try to not be 
too intimidated or overwhelmed by the idea of greenwashing. And more importantly, I would say try to find like small independent brands to support because they are almost always doing a lot better than some of these large brands. And I think they're in general a lot more trustworthy. And especially if you can find local brands, like that's amazing to be able to support and keep money in your local community. And while it might not be perfect in terms of things like sustainability, I think there are a lot of benefits to that. So yeah, I would say try to support small businesses than necessarily, you know, investing a lot of time and energy into to deciding who might be greenwashing and who's not, because that could you know, (laughs) I'm still have no idea in terms of what some brands are doing. um, And I look into this all the time. So yeah, and trust your gut too. You know, if a brand feels trustworthy, that's great. If a brand feels like something shady might be going on, you know, it's a pretty good sign that there probably is something. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good advice. And I like that you brought up supporting local small businesses, even if they're not what we would consider sustainable or doing sustainable practices because uh, keeping the money in the community, as you said, is super important. And I would expand on that too and say, especially if we're looking at women-owned and Mm BIPOC-owned companies as well, there's so many factors to consider when trying to support businesses. And yeah, it is important that we look beyond sustainability sometimes. I think it goes back to just the whole mindset around we can't have climate justice without social and racial justice too and and supporting people in our community who may not always get the support they deserve is a great way to to start that definitely and i mean i always tell people that you're never going to get you know you're never going to check all the boxes you're never going to find this perfect brand so look for things that match some of your top priorities and so yeah like for example sometimes that might be a super sustainable brand sometimes that might be a really amazing local brand like there's just so many different ways you can approach it and i think instead of trying to do everything just try to like check some of those things that you really prioritize that's really good advice that was a big topic yeah no. so uh, the last question before wrapping up about Capsule wardrobe for kids and, you know, thrifting versus sustainable and ethical kids brands. Um, For those of us on a budget, what tips do you recommend for buying ethical and sustainable kids clothes? And I know thrifting is a good option, but are there some other tips you would recommend? So definitely like the secondhand thing for sure. And then some other tips I would recommend is I think like I've definitely caught myself doing this too, where all you're doing is looking at like the size of the clothes. It's like, oh, okay, my kid needs this size. So I'm going to buy this. But clothing sizes vary so much. And I think really trying to look for pieces that your kid can grow into is really helpful and definitely will help you extend wares. And also looking for pieces that are versatile. So some brands are doing some really cool like grow with me type styles where they have pieces that fold down or can kind of just extend the life of clothes. And I think that's great because then instead of, you know, buying multiple pieces, you might be able to buy one piece that's going to last you a few seasons. And I think that's a really great way to help out with budget is to try to be a bit more conscious of the sizing and how long things are going to last. And then also, you know, a capsule wardrobe in general helps with budget because if you're buying fewer pieces, you can save money, of course, but also maybe spend a little bit more money on each piece. I've really uh, found that having a 
a capsule wardrobe has helped a ton with being able to buy and actually be able to afford some sustainable and ethical brands. Yeah, it allows you to kind of make that investment. And I'm super interested in the companies that are doing the grow with me types of clothing. I think it's absolutely brilliant and can't believe it took so long to, mm-hmm. <laughs> for that to come out. And I know there's also some companies where you can rent clothing, specific pieces, or I think I've even seen a couple that you can rent more than one at a time. Uh, rent a romper is one that I know of particularly, but that could also be a good way to potentially save some money or get some, you know, a more sustainable and ethical brand for Mm. your capsule wardrobe. And something else to also consider too, is if you're buying clothing at like consignment stores, if you invest in better quality pieces, you can often sell them back and get back, you know, a chunk of money that you spent on those pieces. Uh, So I found that's really worthwhile too. Like sometimes I will definitely pay a bit more for a higher quality piece, knowing that I will be able to resell it or even sell it back to the store. That's an excellent point. We do that with some of our outerwear that it's really hard to find secondhand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so we're coming up on time here. Um, I want to jump into, there's four questions that I ask all people that I interview. First one is, what's one of your biggest challenges raising an eco-minimalist or eco-kid right now? (laughs) This is going to be like a pretty loaded answer, but (laughs) it's honestly like capitalism. (laughs) And this, this idea of like, there's so many things that you need to have. And I've noticed this like basically from the moment that I told people I was pregnant, everybody is like, oh, well, you need this. You get a million ads about everything that you need, everything that babies need, everything that kids need. And there's just so much marketing and so much advertising around it. And it's a huge challenge. And then, I mean, my daughter's still fairly young, but I've noticed like with other kids as they get older, like that that influences them so much. Like there's so many things about like the newest toys and cereals, whatever it is. Right. And I just think that idea of trying to balance um, (laughs) needs versus wants and trying to manage just the amount of stuff that we're told that we need to have. And it also, of course, comes from other people as well, right? Like you've got people giving you gifts and just all of these things, this very like stuff based culture around raising kids. And what I've definitely learned is like, there's so much stuff you don't need (laughs) at all. But it's for sure hard to navigate that and balance that and figure out, you know, what are things that are just nice to have versus things that we actually need versus things that we don't need at all. Um, So that's probably my biggest challenge for sure. Yes, I think a lot of people can relate to that. It is such a hard balance. And I know something that my husband and I have already started talking about my son approaching kindergarten this fall is, you know, we don't want him to necessarily feel left out or be left out. But we also don't want to just get stuff because Mm -hmm. other kids have them. And so, you know, trying to find that balance and what we're willing to put our kid through. I guess, yeah. You know? Yeah. When it comes to stuff, it it's, yeah, it is definitely a tricky thing. It definitely is a lifestyle that goes against the main grain of, of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough too, because like, I mean, I really noticed this too, 
like right when my daughter was a small baby is there's so many things like you go into a store and it's like, well, you need to have this. And it's almost like, oh, well, you're a bad parent if you don't like yes. have these products. Like it's yes. crazy sometimes. So yeah, it's a tough thing to navigate for sure. Yes, that's absolutely true. They're good. The marketing's good at preying on parents' guilt mm-hmm. and and wanting the best for our kids. One pain point that comes up a lot with eco-parenting or for parents or guardians is balancing time-saving and convenience items that usually aren't sustainable with our sustainable values. Do you have any tips on how you do that? Yeah, so that's definitely challenging. I I find like something that I'm constantly reminding myself of is trying to just assess like what is realistically within my control and what are things that I just can't (laughs) deal with or can't tackle right now. And then trying to focus on those things that I do have control over and time over. And it's tricky because it does involve kind of trying to take a step back from the situation and saying like, okay, where can I realistically make changes or make a difference? And then just trying to focus on those areas. Because I also think You know, there is a lot of guilt when it comes to stuff like that. But I don't think that focusing on all that guilt is necessarily helpful for us. So instead, just trying to focus, trying to look for those areas that I can have a positive impact and make a positive change and focus on those and trying to continuously like look, assess the situation and say like, okay, is there anything here that I can change or do better? Great. I'm going to do that. Um, instead of focusing so much on the things that I can't do. So that would probably be my my biggest tip. Yeah, that's good advice because it is easy or it can be easy to fall into the guilt trap and then you just feel defeated and discouraged and yeah. and that's not helping anyone. And basically, you know, summarizing what you were saying is that nobody is perfect. And so to beat ourselves up for not being perfect is not productive. <laughs> Any other resources about building a capsule wardrobe for kids or uh, getting kids clothes that are ethical and sustainable that you'd recommend besides your own? Honestly, I find Pinterest really useful. (laughs) I I think when it comes to capsule wardrobes too, it can be a bit hard to wrap your head around how to design a capsule wardrobe. So I will typically hop on Pinterest and just search like kids capsule for spring and see how some other people have structured it, see, just get some inspiration from what other people have done with their kids' capsule wardrobes. I find that incredibly helpful. So that's definitely something I would recommend checking out. Just like take a look and see how other people approach their capsule wardrobes and pull out what ideas might work well for you. Yeah. And if you're list oriented, they have, uh, there's usually resources with checklists and stuff, right? Yeah, totally. So there's a lot of different people doing kids' capsules. So I think like learning or and checking out as many as you can to see which ones seem to work well is a great way to to jump into it. Anything else that you'd like to share that we didn't get to today? Oh, <laughs> um, so I think, okay, one thing I would definitely say is I know that stuff like capsule wardrobes or even just like getting into sustainable and ethical fashion can for sure feel really intimidating. And, you know, you want to do things right and kind of get it right. But I would say just try it, like just jump in and try it, test it out. It doesn't at all matter about getting it right or doing it perfectly, especially with like a capsule wardrobe. Most likely your first one is 
not going to work out as great as you think it might. There might be things, you know, that need to be changed or adjusted, but I think you just have to get in there, get your feet wet because you will learn a lot from it. And it's an ongoing learning process. So yeah, my biggest thing would just to be just try it, just start. (laughs) Oh, that is a really good point. Because I just realized it was an aha moment for me. I've definitely fallen to the trap where I think there's a right and wrong way to have a capsule wardrobe. But Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Like most things in the minimalism or sustainability lifestyles, there isn't really a right or wrong way. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a really, uh, that's super common that people think that, you know, and I've talked to so many people like adults who are trying capsule wardrobes and they've been like, I've been thinking about this for years, but I haven't actually, you know, tried it because I want to make sure that I have the exact right pieces or whatever it is. Right. But you don't at all need to do that. And I think once you start and once you try it, you know, you really will customize it to your needs. And you're not really going to know that until you actually do it. So yeah, I always encourage, doesn't matter if you have everything set up or everything prepared, or even if you don't have all the pieces of your capsule, you know, start with what you have and you can kind of work on it and build on it as you go. Yeah. All right. So last question, can you share where people can find you? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel, uh, My Green Closet, and then I also have a blog, MyGreenCloset.com, and those are my two main spots on the internet. Great. Well, Erin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your sustainable and ethical fashion wisdom with us today. I know that I found it super helpful, and I think others will too. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.